Memory. Passion. Alone. Mourn. Guilt. Loneliness. Regret. Peace. Relationships. Unfamiliar. If you put God first, you'll never be last. This is Grief at the Cookout, hosted by DiCarlo Raspberry. Hello, family. Welcome to Grief at the Cookout. Today, I am joined by my colleague and a close friend, Crystal Freeman. Crystal is a Detroit native, Morgan State alum, operatic and musical theater performer, and vocal coach. Crystal is also the proud mother of two beautiful girls and owner of Inspiring Crystal. Tune in as we discuss the tragic loss of her brother and her process of navigating her grief. Myrtle! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the cookout! (laughs) Everyone, this is Crystal Freeman, and we are welcoming her to the cookout. Welcome to the cookout. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you for obliging. I really thank you. Wait, I did not sound like that. <laughs> oh, yes, she did. Thanks for having me. You can be bougie when you want. And it's well, okay, because I know I'm bougie. I'm, I'm, I'm bougie. I'm hood. You know, it depends on what mood I'm in. She from Detroit, y'all. I mean, whoo, you never know which one you're going to get. What up, though? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so in real grief at the cookout fashion, I always ask my guests, what is your favorite cookout food? When you go to the homecoming, some people call it, the we don't call it barbecues, we call it cookouts. But when we go to the family reunions, when it just be like 4th of July or when the weather is nice and you got all those plants on your balcony because she has a green thumb. <laughs> And you want to put something on the grill. <laughs> what is your favorite cookout food? Uh, burnt hot dogs. The blacker, the better. <laughs> I want my hot dogs crispy, okay? <laughs> all the carcinogens and cancer combinations. I want burnt hot dogs. <laughs> she wants a burnt hot dog. Yeah, because... You got to burn those casings. You got to burn them. ain't good for you. Burn them. Burn them. <laughs> <laughs> With a little mustard and a little barbecue sauce, and I am happy, okay? <laughs> Wait a minute. Which mustard brand? Oh, I don't care about that. You don't care? No, mustard tastes uh, like mustard to me. Just yellow <laughs> mustard. <laughs> you know I'm going to debate you on that. <laughs> it's French's for me. I need French's. Okay. But you know, whatever. Must lose, must lose. Oh my goodness. All right, y'all. So y'all know how we do. We got to always ask that question. But I'm so glad that Crystal is here for this particular episode. Um, Crystal, I've known Crystal for quite some time, since 2015. And um, we have experienced loss since we've known each other. Uh, This particular loss that she had experienced, I can say from from the outside looking in that it has changed her in some type of way. It's changed her outlook. It has changed how she functions. Now, she's still going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. 
But it's just so interesting to watch your friends evolve. Uh, when, when things happen, the highs, the lows, all of those different things. So Crystal, if you can just explain to us and tell us about the loss that you have experienced. So, um, I'm going to tell you the whole story. Uh, December 13th, 2016, um, I had my formal observation for school. Um, it was of course about two and a half months late, but you know how a certain county does in a certain state. Um, uh, and I woke up that morning and something was just off and it, um, and I used, I would have to be to school at 7.15. So I was up at like five, you know, super early getting ready to go. And, um, at about uh, midway through my drive there, something just fell off. Didn't know what it was. I thought that it was just nervous jitters about my observation. Um, I get to school, I'm prepping last minute things for my observation, get ready to teach my classes. And as it's the day, as the morning is going on, um, I start to feel awful. But you know, it's school that, you know, teacher, you know, you don't feel great all the time. Didn't think anything of it. Um, was with my third grade class. Um, and we were learning about expressions in music and how um, and how music has always been the catalyst to tell stories and movies and everything. And we were watching clips of Charlie Chapman and uh, Chaplin. And it was the scene, it was the movie where they were on roller skates on like, um, whenever you've ever been to a Catholic school where they have like the track on top of the gym and he's like skating yeah. around this and like this. And so we're like laughing like this. And one of the kids looks at uh, a little girl, um, she looks at me, she says, Miss Freeman, you don't look so good. And I was like, you know, I don't feel so great. Um, then my phone, I started getting random text messages from family members that I never get text messages from. Um, I had an aunt like, what's the name of your school? My dad had been calling me, but I'm in the middle of class. I can't answer the phone. So, um, and I'm like, guys, I'm teaching. I can't, <laughs> like, why is my phone blowing up? Why is this? So I didn't think anything of it. Um, when my class, when the classroom phone rings that I'm in, mind you, I'm on a cart. So I'm like pushing, going into each classroom. And I'm like, so I answer the phone and it's my dad. And the first thing I said, I can't do this with you right now. I cannot do, do this with you right now. And I hear, I don't know if it was both of my other, um, both of my brothers, um, or two of my brothers, um, or, it's just one of them. I can't, I can't, I don't really know because whatever it was, it was not good. And they're like, no, we have to tell you this right now. Um, your brother's been shot and killed. And I'm looking at 24, eight-year-olds, 24, eight, nine-year-olds. And they're looking at me and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I, I literally cannot. And I can't do this right now. And they're like, we have to tell you because, because he was so young. Um, he was what, 26? Um, mm. We had to tell you because we didn't want you to open Facebook and see it. 
and we've been yeah. his mom has been holding off his friends and I mean had I opened Facebook and saw that you know I've been devastated I mean I was already devastated right. so I I get off the phone with my dad I'm like I can't do this and the kid and like I'm about to break and the kids but I'm looking at these eight nine-year-olds who are standing there looking at me like okay something's wrong and like you know and I was like okay I called the office and um the secretary I was like I need someone to come to the class now I'm going to try to hold off but I just got some really bad news I'm going to try to hold off for as long as I can but somebody needs to get here ASAP because I'm about to break down and I remember um the head of SPED coming in and relieving relieving me and I remember her giving me the keys to her office and saying going there and then I just like I lost it and I like bawled in a corner and um and just cried um and I don't I don't know I remember getting the car um and the first place I went was Toby's because I was doing um what's the uh script not screw whatever the musical is with Scrooge um um uh a Christmas Carol Christmas Carol a Christmas Carol and yeah, I remember that's it. I remember going to Toby's and being like hey guys this happened um yeah I'm gonna go home now and go to sleep um and I just remember going home and just crying um I ended up I, we didn't have a show that day I don't even remember what day of the week it was we didn't have a show that night but I remember not being able to function during the day remembering how devastating it was to tell Mackenzie because they were very close um I, my brother and I, we didn't always have the best relationship. And it's one of the biggest things that I regret is that allowing our differences or my opinion of what I felt he should be doing with his life to color and cloud our relationship. I was fortunate that we were able to reconcile almost a year to the day of, to the day of his passing. But I allowed my bouginess my I think I'm better than um, attitude to cloud a relationship that was very close while we were growing up. And it was, it was rough because I have four brothers and a host of other sisters. And so um, three of my brothers are my father. Like it, three of my brothers, it's too much to explain because there's so many of us. <laughs> But <laughs> and look, and I'm sitting here like, uh huh. I'm gonna catch much, it. So too much. So my three, my baby brother is my my baby brother and my old the brother right under me are my mom's kids. My brother Dennis and I share share the same parents. Um, Darius okay. and Anthony, we ha, uh, we share. Yeah, we Darius and Anthony have different moms. Um, okay. And so it was, but like living with my dad, like. Anthony was always there. That was my dude. Like, we argued. For, we've always been at each other. But like, 
when he was at the house, I was with him. And I, it just, it made me go back to all the times of him growing up when he was little and he couldn't say crystal and he would say, kiss, so I want cereal. And how like when he was a baby and a toddler, I would, he would spend the night, I would get in trouble with his mom because I would let him sleep on my chest because that was my baby. You know, mm-hmm. we used to sing that, that Joe song, I want to know what turned you on. That used to be, and so we like, oh, I, I got oh, I got a Jones in my bones for you. That a day of thing that I won't do. Now don't sing too sing. much because I ain't paying no royalties. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> but I was, I was like, I would say, I would get to make your body cream. He was like, with my sex machine. Mind you, <laughs> neither one of us should have been singing that song. I'm like 12. He's like, what? Not, well, I'm like, he's like three. I'm like 12. He's like three. <laughs> but it was, it was our thing. Like when I worked at the movie theater, uh, we would go to the, like, we saw every movie together. So, like, that was my little bestie. And he made mm-hmm. some decisions that I didn't necessarily agree with, but it wasn't my place. It shouldn't mm-hmm. have been my place to allow that to affect our relationship. Because mm-hmm. he was a good guy. You said regret. And, and you, you said why. And I remember asking you when you thought about your brother what word comes to mind and you say regret even when you all reconcile reconciled did you still have regret the regret came because we reconciled but you know life happens and so when you're busy and you're doing all of these things and you know we were planning to like see each other that christmas and you know and it just we let I let my life and I let my feelings cloud what what was a good relationship. I mean, we we never agree with a hundred percent with what with what anyone does. Right. And I just regret. I mean, if I'm being honest, one if I'm being one hundred, I thought I was better than him. Because I did all mm. of the right things, you know. I went off to college. Mm. I did this. I did that. You're you're wasting this, and you're doing it. And it kept me from a relationship that was solid from the very beginning because I was too stuck up to see that he was still a person. Gee, it takes a lot to, especially when we lose someone. It takes a whole lot to own up to exactly where you were mm-hmm. and what you caused for the relationship. Because, you know, when we lose someone, they're not here. So you can say, you know, well, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. So I felt this way and I felt this way, but it takes a real woman, a real man, a real person, you know, to really say, I felt that I was better than I thought that I was better than. And so because of that, I did mess up, you know, mm-hmm. that relationship. Now, after after his death was there and i know this is this is personal but i know sometimes we can touch on a little bit of it how was that process from the death to actually uh his burial how did that process go for you it was a whirlwind it was 
I knew that it happened. Um, I was in denial. Um, it hurt. Like it's just, it's an un it's an unbearable pain. Um, it was hard. It was it was it was very difficult. Um, we ended up drive like I drove home. I can't remember did I drive. I think we drove. Um, and. It was, um, I remember getting there and going to the funeral home and um, just seeing my stepmother, my my first stepmother, um, who we're all very close, like her and my dad, um, they were were always good friends. but like, you know, loss and grief of a child will bring people closer. It was, I can't even, I remember just going to the funeral home um, and looking at him mm-hmm. and thinking that it can't be real. Mm-hmm. Like it, it like to not be able to hear his voice again and processing that and thinking like, you know, what what did any of us do to deserve to feel that kind of pain? Looking at my stepmom and looking at my dad and then looking at my um looking at my, my current stepmom, who I love you know, I love my, my stepmother have always been great. And she and my brother were very close. And it just just to watch and look at the heartache that, you know, that they, and all the pain that um, they were in. Like, Anthony's mom, that was her only kid. That was her only child. Like, she had, you know, me and my brothers, of course, but that was her flesh and blood child. Thinking mm-hmm. of that and, you know, and, like, imagining something happening to one of my kids and being like, you know, I just, I can't. Looking at my dad who blames himself for, you know, the the choices that my brother made and just not being able to do anything about the pain. Mm. You know, we're all, we're very close. We're all, you know, we talk to each other all the time. We, you know, and looking at my brother Darius, whose wife was literally, you know, days away from giving birth. Um, to the point where the day of the funeral, my, my nephew was born on my brother, the same day of my brother's funeral. We're literally in the church. Um, you know, watching his phone to see, you know, what's going on. Um, because, you know, the possibility that, you know, he may not have been able to make the funeral and, you know, cause his first born child, you know, his first child is being born. Um, it was hard. And then being so far away, like it was just, it was hard. 
and I think I operated in a, I existed for two years. Mm. Existed. That's, 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 if I could describe like living, it. like living like day to day, day to day, just, 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 and just come what may just, just day to day, just existing, just existing. And that's grief. That's some serious grief. Just existing. Um, and I remember, I can't even remember what year it was, think just being incredibly sad. And finally, and, I- And I'm sorry, that sadness, that grief, was that because of the loss? Like the loss in its totality? Or was it like all of the feelings of what could have been, what should have been? my mistakes, my regret, was it like all coupled into one or was it just from the immediate shock of the loss? It was from the immediate shock of the loss. And for me, losing someone close to you is always difficult. Um, yeah. Losing a sibling is always yeah. difficult, but when they're violently taken away from you, yeah, it is, yeah. It is a shock like no other. Like it's all shocking, but when they are violently taken away from you, it is it's jarring. I couldn't even get past that the, that initial shock of it until years later. Like I mean, when I say that, like I don't. When I look back, I go, "Who were you?" The shell of a like shell of a person, and then on top of that, there was so much going on in my personal life, end of a relationship, custody issues with my oldest child. So it was, it was like a try, just all of a whirlwind of, so I think I just existed. And maybe about a year and a half or two later, I realized that I couldn't live like that. So I went to therapy. Um, I was diagnosed with, uh, I have severe social anxiety um, depression, uh, PTSD and depression caused by the, you know, from the shock of it all. And when I started to look at that relationship and, and saying like, I wish, I wish I would have done more to shore up the relationship. Like I said before, we never talk about, <laughs> you know, what happens in that two week span of losing someone before burying them you know Ooh. like I know with losing my dad to burying my dad was hell on uh -huh. earth like those are two weeks that I could never get back but those are two weeks every time I think about it like I can literally write a book just on two weeks two weeks yep. before even the grief has set in, you know, two weeks. And, and, and honestly, I'm still in therapy because of, <laughs> because of the trauma, the trauma that I experienced in those two weeks alone, those two weeks, I remember more than anything. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, it's crazy how we don't, we don't really pay more attention to that little interim period because that interim period is really sensitive. 
all the whole the process whole, is sensitive. But that that, that part period, right there is yeah, like. It is. <laughs> and I've had lots of friends to lose their siblings violently in the last mm-hmm. year or so. And the one piece of advice that I give, you take it each moment, take each moment as they come. I was like, right. you have to be able to operate and function in that. And I was like, and I would like to tell you that the grief goes away, that it gets easier. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you just learn to navigate the gaping hole in your heart and you know how to live with it. You know how, you know how to deal with it. It doesn't get easier. I mean, like I spent most of January in a funk, like depressed about my brother and just like missing him tremendously. And it felt as if it were it, it had just happened. Mm. Fresh. fresh. Real fresh. fresh. And so those those two years where you felt like you were just a shell of a person where you were just going day by day. Did you, because I'm really interested in, in, in knowing this, did you experience the waves of grief or was it just like the same thing? It was the every same day? thing every day. So you didn't even get through the process of of grieving, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the high and the low. There, there would be the, occasional uh, high, but not like no. It was it was just sadness, and like just, just pure, pure sadness. sadness. And there was a long period of time where I felt nothing, which is worse than mm. sadness, in my opinion. I you were numb. numb. You were numb. I you couldn't, couldn't feel anything. Nothing. When I tell you that I do not, my last, that last year that I was teaching, I don't know how I went to work every day. I, I honestly, 2017 and 2018 especially, I have no idea how I was able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. I remember when we did Hunchback. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting how how did we both get through that show? As dark as that show was. Well, by the end of all... it, we were like, all right. <laughs> this could be over. This could be over. Oh, because it was, <laughs> that was I'm heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> all right. I don't want to cry anymore. <laughs> Crying every night. I, every night. Multiple times. Like, I'm tired of crying. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I will like, I appreciate the Toby's organization for being there for me in probably the darkest period of my life. Um, and, you know, they were like, you're going to come do a show? And I was like, yes, because I can't sit at home. Yeah. Um, I can't sit at home. I'd rather come and be on the stage. And I remember whatever that closing song is, I kind of blocked the show out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about family and love and light. And I remember just going, holding off enough to get off stage. And Mary-Kate and I, I we exited for, and I, I remember it being Mary-Kate. And I had joyed it that night. Enjoyed it when we would go, we would have to go greet the audience at the show. And mm-hmm. it used to rotate. Thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. Thank um, God. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I remember looking at Mary Kate and going, Mary Kate, I can't do Jordan. Can you please do it for me? And I remember just running to the dressing room and just, I was sitting in the hallway crying 
and David James was to the left of me and Tina was to the right of me and everybody started to come in and you know it was like are you okay and both of them put up like a fence it was like go away she's fine just like and, and I was and I, as I'm weeping I didn't want to be touched I didn't want I just needed that and I was as I'm weeping I was like oh thank god they love me because <laughs> they know that they knew exactly what I needed in that moment they knew exactly what I, what I needed in that moment. Um, and then I remember driving to Kevin and Cedric's house, mm. my friends, Kevin and Cedric, um, and just staying there, just being like, just being on the couch. And they're like, here's your blanket, here's this, you're hungry, nope, and just curling. And so I, I appreciate the friends that I've made in high school college and in theater um because performing did give me that outlet it was the one it was the, aside from my kids and which i felt like when i think about it, i feel bad because i wasn't i wasn't living i was just kind of existing and i didn't right. want to see my kids i don't want my kids to watch that mm -hmm. to watch me be unhappy right that's that's amazing and we thank God for the theater hey. and the theater gods. We thank God for it. What made you feel again? I had to come like to what? Can I cuss? You know I yes, go ahead and cuss. Okay. I'll label it as explicit. I, I had to get my <laughs> shit together. I had to get my, I had to get my shit together. And if, and if I'm being honest, um, as a person that who has experienced a lot of trauma in their life, just throughout their life, and being a Capricorn and being very strategic about what I allow, what part of me that I allow anybody to see, mm. I had these carefully constructed compartments, and they were all neat, and I put away these feelings and this, and this is how I'm going to be, and this is why I can't ever let anybody see me sweat, I'm tough on this. I'm strong, raw, strong black woman, which I hate that trope now. Um, I'm a damsel in distress. Um, I just died. <laughs> I'm a damsel in distress. I'm not a strong black woman. No, because, you, oh. because people hear strong black woman and they be like, all right, here's my shit. Here's this shit, this, this, this. And they like to dump. And they like to and listen, They like to. That's a whole other conversation. Baby, not doing that. So we gonna save that for a little bit later. Listen, <laughs> there's an episode just for that. I'd like to be on that episode. <laughs> but so I have these perfectly curated file cabinets, or but they were like glass boxes. They were perfectly curated. They were nice and neat and tidy and when he was when he was killed that shit went to hell it, mm. fucking glass everywhere and so i was broken like i i was broken 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 and so it i didn't have a choice but to sweep the pieces up and throw them away right. um no point in putting them back together or compartmentalizing. I mean, because the reality is I can't compartmentalize them now. Mm -hmm. I am at a point um, now where 
and, and, and it has where I had to do what's best for me mentally. And mm-hmm. I have to do that in order because if I'm not in a good mental space, if I'm not in a good space, I can't be a good parent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I realized that those compartments and all of those things that I, the walls that I built and everything came tumbling down, um, that it wasn't healthy. And that I couldn't, like, even if I tried, I couldn't put them back to where they were. So um, it made me a lot more empathetic. I am very honest. Sometimes I don't be like, I just, I see things in black and white oftentimes, which is weird because I'm very artistic. So like when I say things, it may come off as mean or spiteful. And it's like, but, but this is the truth. Or, you know, and it's not, I've learned to be more empathetic and think about people's feelings. So that sometimes when I really want to say something, but you know you. But it's true. It's very true. Because when I want to go off, you make me reconsider. Well, let's think about this. It, it also makes me, it also made me reconsider looking at people for who they are. Mm. And that oftentimes when people do stuff to you, they would do the exact same thing to themselves. That they would do it to their mother, that they, you know. So it ain't easy. That's it ain't a word. Easy. That's a it word. Ain't easy. But it is. So I find myself going, okay, I'm going to just swallow that. Um, and, I, and then I've also learned that sometimes you don't have to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's to okay be to be wrong. And and even if you're right, it's okay for you to just hold on to it and let people create the narrative that they want. Because you yeah. can because you can waste all of the energy and disputing this and saying this and they don't care. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. They don't they care. They do not care. That's right. So it is like mm. um, yeah. But I do find myself being kinder. Um like, you know, I've always for some reason I have um like talk to me written on my forehead so mm-hmm. and I get random people just coming up and talk to I, if I am I could be sitting in the back of a crowd of 40 people and a stranger will make a beeline to me to ask if hey I, ma'am ma'am how you doing ma'am ma'am like, are, you, like, are you fucking kidding me there are like 40 other people and I'm like yes <laughs> it's like, I'm like god I love you, but why? You know why? I don't like talking to people. You know I don't. Jesus, why? Lord, Lord, can we have a conversation about this? Like, I don't oh. like people, Jesus. Why do you know? <laughs> Jesus, why talk to them? Oh, oh my goodness. That's you mentioned like... a therapist, right? Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember. You mentioned a therapist. And so I know you said that you had to get your shit together. That's when you started to feel again. Was that pre-therapist or post-therapist? Um, it was pre-therapist. It was both. It was pre because I was feeling utter sadness. And I found myself going, hmm, if I died tomorrow, I would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, oh, him? Well, not, not like, good. and 
not wanting to, not, not thinking about suicide or actually, you know, unaliving myself. But, but you were like, just there. I was just there, like, yo, if I got hit by a Mack truck, I would it's, be. It's okay. It's okay. Based on like, how you were feeling. Yeah, I was like, okay. That's scary. <laughs> I don't talk to somebody. Like, I don't, you know. And so I, you you had to make a decision. Yeah. You it was like a uh, was it like an epiphany? It was a, I it was an it was an epiphany because it was an epiphany for me because I remember singing at church and being like looking at all the people that were moved and touched and coming up to me and saying all of these things like oh my god you're such an inspiration and you're doing this and I was just like. I want to feel that like I want I want I want to inspire myself like mm -hmm. I inspire the masses. Mm -hmm. And then looking at my friends, you know, who I love and like, oh my god, thank you for all those encouraging words and all of these things and I'm like, how come I can inspire people to face follow their dreams and to do this and I can't do the same for myself. Mm. Now you talking real good. Go ahead, keep going. And I said, so I was, you know, and and I didn't want to be sad. I hated being sad. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not always. I'm goofy, but I'm not always happy. I'm not happy go lucky by any means. My father calls me the eternal pessimist, and I'm like, I'm just saying. You see life the glass half full. I see somebody drank half my water. <laughs> just like, refill it please thank you just fill my water you know what I mean? well, my dad calls me the eternal pessimist he's like I don't understand I'm like you're an eternal op optimist and I don't understand you and and we're the same person essentially but like I we're just at opposite ends of the spectrum and I was just like you know I just randomly picked the number like I was like hey Siri find a therapist mm. and like the second one I called they had an appointment available and they took my insurance mm. um and I went to that guy once and I was just like eh white guy nice and I was like eh I think I may have gone once or twice and that's when I got the diagnosis but I did I wasn't really feeling it um cause you know black people in therapy it just don't even though which is weird because my my dad was gonna kill me, but my dad has always been in therapy. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he's always going to therapy. I can I can remember being little and him going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe six months to a year later, the sadness had creeped crept back up again, mm -hmm. and so I went and I found you know I googled it again. I was like, hey, because I couldn't remember the doctor's name, and I was like, I don't know this man's name. I don't know what the practice is, and so I was just like, screw it. Um, and so I found young Jewish, I don't even know, yeah, he was Jewish, very nice. It was very weird because he was like, you know, if you weren't my client, we would be friends. So I was like, you know, I'm, sh I, I agree. Um, um, cause we would just sit and talk and I remember like going through and, you know, telling him about what the last doctor had said. And I remember going through, um, telling him about my life and just like the origin stories. And I remember he has his um, his legal pad mm. and he's like written on the back and he's like five pages in and he's like, I'm trying to, he has a paper and he's like, well, 
<laughs> he was trying to find some more pieces of paper. <laughs> and he was like, wow. Um, wow. You, wow. Uh, you've been through a lot. And I was like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. He was like, no, 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 no. You've been through a lot. And he was like, and I'm amazed that you're here joking about it. I was like, if I'm being honest, telling jokes is how I cope. Mm-hmm. The more depressed or sad I am, the funnier I get. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not so funny. Like, you know, I still, I think it's funny. I laugh about when I was joking at my grandfather's funeral. Um, and I remember going there. My grandfather fell, slipped and fell, and almost all blood thinners and bled out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to stay in the house. Because I was like, it was the house I, you know, my grandparents, I grew up in that house, you know. Um, I drew the line because I didn't want to drive the car. And so I was, my dad was like, I don't want to drive the dead man's car. And he, my father, oh, it made, it, it, my father would be like, stop saying that. I was like, but he's dead. <laughs> like, he's a fool, man. <laughs> and so I remember saying I didn't want to sing at my grandfather's funeral and because my grandfather was my best friend. Um, best friend in the whole wide world. He accepted weird little eccentric me for who I was and never made, you know, was always supportive and everything. And I remember going to the funeral and telling that I didn't want to sing and then opening up the program and seeing my name there. I was like, Oh, they got you good. Oh, I had, so my dad, I was like, really dad? So I had an attitude. And so then the pastor um, of the church was like, I mean, he lived to be, cause he was 90. He's like, he lived a good life, so you shouldn't be crying and you shouldn't. Sir, my best friend is dead. So I got up there and I was like, you know, I'm going to be honest. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to sing. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I'm mad at God right now. I am upset because he took away my best friend and I don't care that he was old. I am sad. And then I looked at the pastor and I was like, but you want to know something funny? I'm up here singing, even though I told my dad that I didn't want to be. But y'all want to see something funny? Y'all want to see a whole half of the, this whole half of the church get uncomfortable? And they're like, they're looking at me like, oh, Lord, what's about to happen? I say, well, you know, they hate, my dad hates it when I say this, but he made me drive the dead man's car. <laughs> <laughs> you did not say that in the yes, funeral. No, yes, you, yes, did. yes, no yes, you did. No, you didn't. You know I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh. like, so since uncomfortable. I'm gonna make everybody else uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, look, dead man's car, dead man's car. <laughs> oh, Crystal. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and my whole family, oh. look, my family was just looking at me and shaking their head. I was like, and now I don't feel so uncomfortable anymore. <laughs> and now I can sing my song. Now I can sing my song. <laughs> so what did what did that therapist after he he rubbished through all the pieces of paper and he couldn't find it. He was like, uh, yeah. He was like, yeah. What did you, he yeah. say? He said, yeah, you, you know, yeah, all of the things the last therapist said. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I can't even remember what type of therapy it was, but he was um, getting his doctorate. And it was basically working through those things. So I had to write down, like I had homework assignments. Like I had to write down the moments that I felt sad, what triggered those moments of me feeling sad, um, 
when I felt angry, when I felt anxious, and to and actually and like I had homework assignments that I would have to come in. Okay, I felt sad at this moment, and this is why. Okay, so what did you do? Um, and it was I could never use um, words like always or okay. never um, because okay. it put because it's I can't even remember what type of therapy it was, but I had to be mindful of how I said things. Like mm-hmm. I always feel sad. No, you can't say things like this. I felt sad in this moment because, and so it caused me to take a look at speaking life into myself because I didn't realize that I didn't speak life into myself. It was always that negative thing. And here I, here I was thinking that I was this love and light person, but I wasn't because I was mm. speaking like to everyone else, but I wasn't speaking it to myself. And I, I still struggle with it to this day, but going through all of that, helped me realize the work that I needed to do. I, and I, I mean, I'm glad you said that because we, it's really pertinent that we do speak life into ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, that we do. And it's hard to do in grief, but I, I will venture out to even say that you, you spoke life into yourself with even you saying that you had to get your ish together. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I you mean, don't realize, you but were, in, in that moment, you don't realize. In you don't realize about, it. But, you know, I'll go back and look at it like, yeah. And that's just, that's that's amazing. That's a lot because it, it takes a lot. I thank you for sharing that because it does take, take a lot to share exactly how that process went for you. But to also say, yes, I went to therapy too. Oh, yeah. It may not have worked the first time. But I also went again. And it does help to talk to someone. It does. And it's good, you know, it's good if you got confidants and people that you can trust. But it's nothing to. like somebody but that got Come a on, degree. that's it. That's it. Say it, Say it again. They got a degree they went to school for it. They, yes, right. They, they educated. They degree. Educated. <laughs> educated. They're um, educated on it because they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Now, I will they say- know what they doing. There were often times, and he was great, um, but there were cultural differences. Of course. That, you know, he's like, well, what, how does this, you know, I hear what you're saying, but how does this affect you in real life? And I'm like, sir. It is um, real life. That's a, you know, that's a microaggression. You know, what are, what are the macro, I said, I'm black. The microaggressions, are macroaggressions because they are constant. <laughs> and right. I'm like, here's the thing, I'm right. light-skinned and black. So I have a buffer for a lot of, you know, those microaggressions, but I'm still, I'm still Negro. You still Negro. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I we do have a, a episode coming up with the therapist soon, and that's something we definitely going to talk about. Is the cultural differences? In it's the, the cultural give, difference. So, I can't give all you, that away. <laughs> but no, you. But 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 what you're saying is very true because I was just going to ask. I was going to ask another question, and all this is just slightly off topic. It's really not, uh, but it is pertaining to therapy. Do you feel that black people, you know, people of the diaspora, that we should see therapists of our diaspora? Yes. 
but it's not easy in the United States because insurance is whack, and a lot of times they don't accept it. And I can respect that. I wish that it were more affordable mm-hmm. because there, it's just it is a. And I'm not saying that white therapists like I was seeing a black lady. I just couldn't afford it because it was one hundred fifty dollars to to shoot it. I got other bills to pay. <laughs> but, um, Why do your face look like that though? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't have to say this. Um, but it is um, it's just a culture difference. So there will be things like I would say things in therapy, and I'm like, "Why is that bothering you?" Because I'm black. And then having to go through and like, and this guy was great. And so mm-hmm. like, I would just be like, no, you know, th- this is why. And I would have to explain that. So um, would we been with black, would people of the diaspora benefit from people that have shared experiences? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because white people don't be knowing sometimes because their lived experiences are different. Are different. Mm-hmm. I mean, even yeah, with yeah, like, nobody. No white person can tell me how it feels to be black because they not no. black. And like, when I think about like all of the police brutality things that came to light during um, the panorama, mm. um, the early part of the panorama, and they're like, I can't believe that this has been happening. And I'm like, we've been telling you this has been going on forever. And, you know, and talking about the experiences, and, you know, when you have a lot of white friends and associates, you know, they're like, well, why are you afraid? Because we die. Like. <laughs> right. Right. I was like, it's you know. A... Right. It, it, there, there is a lived in fear. And I was like, you know, that is. It, it's not taught. It is when. When you're born, unless you're, you're, you're at an affluent, you live a more affluent lifestyle. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you're born middle class and and lower in a black community and you grew up in a black community, your mistrust of uh, your mistrust of the police starts at an early age and nobody has oh, yeah. to and no one has to tell you not to trust them. Right. You see it. You see it, but, but you feel I it, mean, you experience it. You feel it, that's, you experience it. Yeah. But that's a whole yeah. other story because you know the history of what police is, but we're not gonna go there because it's we got I, I got you for a whole other episode for that. Yeah. You you save all of that and tie that in because we that's for later. That's for later. Don't don't give it to the people now. <laughs> but but it's I'm glad you said that because yeah, I I wanted I did that that question was sitting on my tongue burning, you know. Of, of I think yes. Thoughts now that, that can, oftentimes can we afford to do it? No, because you know they high. They high, and I they got they got um student loans to pay. I get it. That's right, right. Know your worth of ad tax. I just but, I wish, but they are good. I, I mean, they my are therapist, good. I, she's she's black. I just and she I gives just, it to me real. Okay. I yeah. I just wish that it was therapy in general was more affordable. Was more affordable. and that you know we we had more access and there are not many. And because there there's so few therapists of color, they you know they're booked all the time. All the time. I mean, booked, booked. booked. They're even taking clients on the weekends, honey, on yeah, so Sundays, you know, and they're listen, still booked and booked. Ugh. So it is. Um, so yeah, just you know, I wish that 
the United States actually cared about its people in general. But you know, as you can see, they don't they don't care. I can't. I'm not Sorry. paying royalties for these songs you keep singing. I only, I only <laughs> I, now, the other one I did sing, what is it, like, a 12 I'm going to I'm gonna have to cut some of that out. <laughs> I understand that. I just sang one line from that one. <laughs> so now, currently, mm-hmm. what does your process look like with this particular grief? Like, where are you now? What are you working on? You know, what have you gained? All of that. That's the most important part because, you know, we could talk as we should. We should talk about it. We should talk about our pain. We should talk about our grief. We should talk about how it made us feel because we have to realize that. Mm -hmm. And I always say we have to normalize that we do grieve. It's okay to grieve. And it's also okay to heal and allow yourself to go through the process so that you can start your healing. Your healing process is gonna look so different mm-hmm. from everybody. Your grieving process is gonna look so different from everybody. But you wanna make sure that the way that you're coping is healthy mm-hmm. and not unhealthy. And you know, it's hard, it's hard. Like, <laughs> I I would never ever tell some a person, you know, you need to grieve this way and then you need to cope this way. No, I can't do that because I'm not you. And I don't know how your thought processes are. And but but that's just wrong of me in general to even say you need to grieve this way. Right. But your process as it pertains to you and how you're moving forward, what does that look like? For me, it is living uh living in the moment and honoring the feelings that I have. Because like I said, grief, it's like, for me, a giant hole has been there and nothing nothing can be done to replace that hole. And so um, understanding that some days are gonna be happy, some days are gonna be sad, some days you're not gonna think about it because I've learned to navigate around that hole. I've built a memorial, a memorial of, for me, a memorial in my mind so when i go into those sad moments i think and i reflect on how i wish it weren't the case um but i think about the happy moments that we had you know the relationships that he had with his nieces and how close they were um and i go you know and i go from there and i i live in the moment um i think about being more empathetic with our community in general. Uh, when I was saying earlier about people randomly coming to talk to me, it's always interesting how I always get into these deep and philosophical conversations with random strangers. And somehow the violence in our communities pops up. And, you know, these kids don't know how to do this and they don't know how to do this. And I, and I always say, well, you know, if you look at lead paint, lead paint poisoning and lead poisoning, look at the water supplies and a lot of the urban, and not just in urban communities, but in any community community where there's a lot of violence, you have to look at the poverty levels. You have to look at the environment that they're in. Um, 
you have to look at how it's dangerous to hope in some places. Like to hope is a dangerous thing. And we need to empathize more with the odds being stacked against us because the only difference between myself and anyone else is the simple fact that I had someone there to show me another way. And I, you know, and so it, I find myself trying to be more empathetic of people in general. Um, and just trying to be kind. It's not always easy because I can be mean. It's not. Um, mm -hmm. But just working on being kind. Kind to myself and kind to others. Yeah. And just being genuine. Mm. And then also when... When people are unkind to me, instead of cussing them out, just, you know, and say, hey, just not saying anything, even though most times I'll be wanting to go off. And then sometimes I want to say, I hope you have the day you deserve. But that's not really kind. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have the day you deserve. Dang, that's like telling somebody to just go play in traffic. <laughs> My God, to me. <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> Living in the moment. Living in the moment. Honoring the feelings that you have. That be it good or bad, right? Be it good or bad. Good or bad. Not, and just and just being honest. The biggest thing is is being honest about everything. Right. Um I find myself sharing my struggles like um, when I tell people that I have severe social anxiety, they can't, they're like, no, not you, but you're the, <laughs> like, don't ask me to make a phone call because it gives me heart palpitations and I can't breathe sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. and I remember posting that and so many people like being saying, oh my God, I thought I was the only person that was like that. Well, I have to have full conversations or I have to write things out to, in order to say to say them and feel comfortable. Like sometimes how I do the pre-speech at Toby's, I have to write out what I'm going to say, even though I know exactly what I'm going to say. But having that little piece of paper in my hand to talk and say these things makes me feel better. Right. And I one day I went out without it and I was like, oh my God, I don't know it. I've been doing it for four months. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Uh. I forgot my piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, I don't like it. I don't like talking on the phone. Like, if I have to call and make an appointment, I have to psych myself out and make sure that I create scenarios. Okay, what if they ask me this question? Okay, I have to be able to do this. And mm -hmm. it being hard. It yeah. being hard. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta honor those feelings. And you have to honor those you feelings. You gotta so honor those feelings. I, I yeah, honor those, and, and then be and I find myself when I'm honest about that, I get messages saying, "Oh my God, you know, you helped me. You did this." The other day, somebody had posted um, something about life insurance. Say something. People got uh, people spending money on Netflix but don't have life insurance. And I'm like, Netflix costs $20 a month. What kind of life insurance you got that costs $20? And so, like, I had seen this argument before. Ugh, I'm sick of the GoFundMe's and I'm sick of all this. And I remember 
um, I filed bankruptcy and after my bankruptcy, not being able to get life insurance. Mm. See. And thinking to myself, like, hmm. And I was just like, you guys, and I literally, I was like, and I couldn't take it. And I was like, you guys are being, Ill. I was like, this whole life insurance argument that trip that you guys get on sometimes, I was like, you're being elitist and willfully obtuse. Hmm. Have you ever thought that maybe somebody can't get life insurance? Because, I mean, there are so many factors. You can't just be like, oh, I want life insurance. I'm going to get it. No, there are mental screenings. There are health screenings. There are, you know, they check your credit. They do all of these things. They look at, you know, what neighborhood you live in. They, they look at all of these things and they all play a factor in the ability to get life insurance. Especially if you don't have it through your job. Right. So it's not, I was like, so it's not easy. Ooh, I'm just going to get life insurance. No, that's, that's, that's not how it works. Um, be, be kind, folks. Be kind. Be, be kind. That's not how it works. And so I, you know, now it's like that's not how it works. And I got inbox messages from people saying how they couldn't get life insurance because of this reason, or have one um, one person inbox me whose daughter um, is disabled. She's learning disability. You know, a myriad of things. And because of her life expectancy, they're going to have to pay out of pocket for her funeral. Bull. Yeah, we got to start being kind to each other. So being, so you know, I was just like, ooh. So just yeah. being kind. And again, I am not always default. I'm a Capricorn. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, being I got mean stories. Is easy. Being mean is easy for me. Being kind takes some work, though. Being kind takes some work. It does and, take know, some work. I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. But I, but <laughs> see, say it again. Work. I'm a work in, in progress. progress. And, and and it's great, and it's great because we always evolve. And as I said before, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure to watch the evolution. Oh. You know of you. And I mean, even the evolution of our friendship, you know, and just how, and just how loss and grief mm-hmm. and this absence of joy and all of this brings people together, brings them closer. But like you said, it does. I'm telling you, after losing my dad, I had to honor my feelings because you're right. If I don't honor them, I. I'm going to just be a mess, a ball. Like, yeah. like that's how, I, you know, in the dressing rooms, when I, when I come out the side of my neck, did you see your therapist? I did not. And I need to, so y'all better <laughs> leave me alone because I, I haven't like, been able to honor. I remember, I remember the first time I said that was it during Greece or something. I was like, Oh, when's the last time you've been to therapy? You mighty mean. And they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. I was like, <laughs> It's the truth. She right. Like, it's the truth. That Negro needs to go to therapy. Crystal, can you stop saying that? I was like, well, he is Negro. It's true. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. But I but I did realize that I had to be kind to others. That I had to show some more empathy. And it's hard 
Sometimes to empathize the people. Listen, say it again. Dang, yes. You'd be like, what? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? No, you're right. Again, I'm a work in progress. Family, grief is a process. Live in the moment. Honor your place in space. Be kind to yourself and others. Realize we are all a work in progress. And never forget to speak life into yourself. You might join in grieving, but you're going to come out healed. I love you and thank you.